episode 10 of the Press Pass podcast presented by the Press Republican. A little bit of a new format today. I have staff writers Mackenzie Delisle and Kara Chapman with me. I'm sports editor Joey LaFranca. How are we doing, guys? Good. Busy, per usual, but good. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So we are installing a little bit, a couple of different segments now. We're, we're, this is the first new segment that we're going to touch upon. We're calling it Quick Hits with Mackenzie and Kara. Or do we want to do it with Kara and Mackenzie? Or are we going to battle about whose name is first? I feel like because Mackenzie and Kara came to you first, yeah. like maybe it the It does sound works. a little bit better. Because <laughs> I, I think if you go Kara and Mackenzie, it just I think Mackenzie and Kara flows. Yes. Okay. I think it flows really well. I, I'm okay with that. Okay. I, sh- I ship that, as she would say. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Joe and his lingo is just insane. But So what we're doing is Mackenzie and Kara are both going to give a lot of different um, you know, things that have been going on this week, news-wise, and just going to chat about a lot of different things, but I will kick it to you guys. Okay, so kind of always at the forefront of our minds these days, I have some COVID-19 related updates. This week, we received news of a Beekmantown second grader testing positive, a Meadowbrook nursing assistant testing positive, and then the latest is a CBPH employee who They have not said which unit this person works in, but they have labeled them as a caregiver, which means that they do interface with patients. So um, I participated in a press conference with Dr. Wader Rietzma. He's there, he's an infectious disease specialist and he's also their VP for Population Health and Information Services. He said that about 20 patients were identified as having contact. Um, Don't believe that that necessarily means exposed and that their occupational health and wellness team was still working to identify employees who had been exposed. And a big thing he was saying, you know, is um, because he was asked, does he believe that this could breach outbreak proportions, so to speak? Um, He doesn't he doesn't seem all that concerned that it's going to rise to the level of the Essex Center, which thankfully this week we have no have not seen any new cases or deaths on that. Yes. So that's um, as of last night, the last update that we got from Essex County. Um, but he did, he did say that we still need to be concerned about the spread within the community and how this is a stark reminder to not be complacent with all of our different measures and mask wearing and avoiding large gatherings, social distancing. I think that's become like a really good narrative of late too, as far as no complacency. There's no time for it at this point. You cannot be complacent during a pandemic. Absolutely. I mean, we're all wearing masks right now and yeah. we're around each other all the time. So, I mean, that kind of brings me to another big news story from this week. Um, SUNY Plattsburgh actually suspended 15 more students um, after they decided to get together for a dorm party recently. Mm-hmm. Um, that follows the 40 plus students who were suspended late last month, um, a large chunk of which have since returned. But it's just another example of, you know, you need to follow the rules. And I, I give a lot of props to Plattsburgh State, too, because that's that's laying down the hammer as far mm-hmm. as punishment goes. They are not taking it lightly. And when you look at the COVID cases throughout the whole SUNY system, um, Plattsburgh is still at, as far as we know, at that zero, right? They don't have any active COVID cases. Act- active. Active, active COVID active, cases. Yes. So, <clears throat> you know, a lot, of, a lot of the other SUNY schools, they have a lot. Um, but I think what you can look at is SUNY Plattsburgh. And, I mean, they are... They're policing this really well. Um, we talked about, uh, in a past episode, we talked about how Oneonta claimed they had a plan, but having a plan and enforcing it are two different things. Right. And I think while Oneonta may not have enforced it as best as you can, and we don't want to like point fingers or anything, but I mean, the, the, facts of, that the fact that they're shut down right now, that, that speaks a lot. Um, but when you look at Plattsburgh State, not only does it seem that they have a plan, 
they have no problem enforcing it. And even if it might not be the most, uh, you know, popular, popular, popular decision, uh, it's, it seems to be working. And I mean, this has been said before by other officials in the area and stuff, but just in my drives by the college, I, I only see students wearing masks these days. Mm -hmm. I actually don't see anyone walking around campus not, and I don't know if that's just the timing of what I'm going by. No, or, or I, what it is, I, I've I've seen the same. I have not, I, and I really mean it. I have not seen one student not wearing a mask walking. And I, I a lot of days when I come into work, I'm usually driving down um, uh, Ruger. So mm -hmm. I, I I have not seen anybody without a mask. And I mean, this is sorry, but I mean no, the no. same thing can be said to. Um, I'm sorry. The same thing cannot be said for people in the public. I I walk around you know downtown mm -hmm. city of Plattsburgh. Mm -hmm often see nobody else wearing a mask but myself so i mean i think that you can just tell by that that the enforcement at the college is is probably having a hand in that and, and helping absolutely just because you're outside does not mean that the virus just disappears as soon as it may or may not be you know exiting your mouth your nose that yeah. kind of thing so mm -hmm. we do have to be careful but honestly i've I, my parents uh, live out of the city, and whenever I'm driving back home, even if it's like 10:30 at night, those students are wearing masks at SUNY Plattsburgh. Yeah, when I drive along Ruger. So, and it's funny what you said, Mackenzie, about you're in certain places and you're the only one wearing masks. Sometimes I have found myself in that position a lot of times too um, at sporting events, and part of part of it at sporting events has been during the summer, I should say, was you know that they they didn't really have any type of rules. Like if you're a spectator and you're far enough away and spread out. You don't have to wear a mask. Obviously, the athletes during different summers, stuff like for baseball, for example, they they obviously didn't have to be wearing masks during the course of play. Um, but it is a little unsettling, I would say, might be a good mm -hmm. word, when you're at a place where there are a lot of people and you're the only one wearing a mask. It almost makes you feel like the weirdo. Like that's mm -hmm. that's yeah. kind of the way I felt. And it's it. I think a lot of people say, no, you're not you're not like that at all. But it, it, it's kind of hard not to feel that way at times, I feel like. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, I, I've gone to a couple youth soccer games um, to watch my younger sister play, and a lot of times parents there aren't wearing masks either, and I don't want to single anybody out per se, but I mean, I don't, I don't see that distance being kept between different no. families either. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Yeah, and there's also the whole two-spectator limit type of situation that a lot of, a lot of these a lot of these leagues have and I think it's been expanded a little bit of late but normally what the typical protocols have been is two spectators per athlete of what whatever and that's that's been more for uh, interscholastic sports but I think sometimes it applies to a lot of youth sports too but it's uh yeah it's it's a it's a thing that I've observed specifically these past couple of months that it's just an ongoing situation and I mean hey there hasn't been obviously COVID cases traced to, to sporting events mm -hmm. that we know of at this time, and that's obviously a great thing. But that doesn't mean that there can't be. And I just think, like you, touching on the complacency aspect, it just gets back to that. Right, right. But building off of that, there are currently, and I think it's valid to have the concern um, in connection with the Beekman Town second grader who tested positive. There are two town soccer teams. They're not affiliated with the Clinton County Youth Bureau, from what I'm understanding. Who are quarantining because, mm -hmm. because of this, you know, and that's how it dips into the greater community and into other schools. Yeah, and our, one of our staff writers, Ben Watson, is actually doing a story to mm -hmm. kind of touch upon that a little bit, and that will be in Friday's newspaper, so that will hopefully clear some things up as far as that's concerned. But, yeah, there's a lot of confusion when it comes to that type of stuff, and mm -hmm. it's hard to blame anyone because there's so many different links to a lot of different things, and 
there that 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 in a in a nutshell is the problem of it all. There's so many links that can link cases mm-hmm. and speculation to so many so many so many situations. And another issue that Dr. Reitzma brought up yesterday is how. Um, well, the, the CVPH employee had actually worked for, they, they're estimating around three to four days while this person was symptomatic, um, but they exhibited symptoms that were not the typical um, picture of coughing and a fever. Mm-hmm. If you have something like diarrhea for a period of few days, that could also be COVID, and people tend to associate that with, oh, I ate something bad. Right. Or a lot of the symptoms that are contained within the COVID spectrum are seasonal cold, allergies, um, even the flu, there's overlap there as well. So a lot of people could be thinking, oh, it's just that time of year, the weather's getting cooler. I mean, I normally have a cold during the transitionary period too sure. when yeah. the temperatures like go up and down. So it's uh, you, you have to be vigilant even if this is kind of something that's the norm and something that you're expecting. And I think it's going to be really interesting because we're starting to get into flu season now. And I was actually just driving by one of the kinneys here in Plattsburgh and I saw like flu shots available and I said, no, yeah, it's probably a good idea to probably get one of those soon. I was trying to think about what's maybe the safest way to get a flu shot this year because sometimes we sometimes somebody from I think it's Walgreens comes to right to the it's press, Kinney's. right? Oh, it's, it's kinneys. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably wait until they come here because I feel like that's the safest. It's the safe. No, they're not doing that this year. Oh, they're not doing it. <laughs> oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, so th- that that's gonna be. I don't know where to go for a flu shot. I was thinking about what's the safest spot, you know. But we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think no matter where you go, they have to don like full PPE and all of that stuff. I believe Joe said he went to Hannaford to get his. Interesting. Just, yeah, like he he was there. I think to pick up something else and he saw that there was no one in line so he thought hey i'll get my flu shot in and out you can actually schedule it online at a lot of places i was that's good yeah no that that's really great i was i just brought that up because i think i feel like that's probably a thought that a lot of people have that cross their mind in different capacities i think that we can rest assured in the fact that just given the climate we're in right now these places are going to be safe about how they're administering these things so i think that the idea that you can schedule a flu shot is really neat actually and that might be something that sticks after the pandemic kind of slows down a little bit for sure to come yeah for sure for sure but what else is going on well i was gonna ask you if you could maybe give us an update on section seven sports yeah um there's a lot of uh a lot of development it's kind of funny that you have teams are teams have started to practice on monday uh teams officially were allowed to begin practicing for interscholastic sports and some schools within Section 7 have opted to participate in the fall season. Some schools have opted not to. Um, that's one aspect to this all. But put aside the schools who have opted out, we have the schools now who have opted in. Um, some schools have began on September 21st. Others are going to begin next Monday. Uh, just Some schools, I feel like, opted to give themselves a little bit more time yeah. um, just to see how things go, which, I mean, how can you blame them? Um, but... On Monday, certain uh, certain schools opened up. There's soccer, cross country. Um, I don't because in Section Seven, there's not many schools that have gymnastics. But gymnastics across New York State has has started, um, and there's also been um, uh, man, I'm slipping on one of them. Um, there's one other sport, but my point being, uh, things have started up. The interesting thing about all this is at this time, teams are practicing. There have been no game schedules made. So ultimately, teams are just practicing. Wow. Um, not to say that schedules won't be made soon, um, but it's it's a situation where we've never seen it before. There's no blueprint how to handle sports during a pandemic. 
Um, but it is another step in the right direction. On Monday, I actually went up to Shazy um, to do a feature story on the Shazy Boys soccer team from the perspective of what it's like to play, uh, you know, just to have a practice during a pandemic. And um, a lot of interesting takeaways from that. It was weird seeing everybody wearing masks. I cannot imagine it was really fun at the beginning of practices for players to be doing laps to warm up and yeah. uh, wearing masks. Um, one of the biggest um, anecdotes that I got from that whole experience when I was up there was during after they did um, the team did four laps to warm up, and then they took a they, then they took a drink break, and all their players I'm just sitting there observing all this at this point, and all the players kind of like were spread out. They took a second to take their masks off, get a drink, and every single one of them was were like, oh man, this is going to be tough. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing was as the practice went on, it seemed to get a little bit more normal. And then at the end of practice, I talked to a couple of the players, and some of the players said, yeah, you know, as the practice went on, we kind of just got used to it. So I think the more they just continue to kind of go about practicing and whatnot, um, I think it will get a little bit more normal. Hmm. But needless to say, when people look back at 2020 in the sports coverage and they see photos of kids wearing masks and everything of that nature... It's going to look weird. And it is weird. It's just flat out weird. I remember I, I talked to uh, the Chasey Boy soccer coach, Rob McAuliffe, and he said, um, I don't have any experience coaching during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And he said, usually as a coach, you like to lean on experience. And, that, and he said, in this case, don't have that. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to have to kind of wait. He, he, basically, for lack of better terms, he said, we're going to weigh it. And he's going to say, we're going to see how it goes. And that's ultimately, that's... That's the best approach that they can have at this point. So update on sports is pretty much that. They, they're they starting practice. There's potential. I would say the earliest we could see games, literally the earliest that there could possibly be games at this point will be October 2nd. And you mentioned that some local sports teams, you know, opted out of doing sports this fall. Mm-hmm. How many opted in? Um, I would say, so uh, bear with me as I do the list in my head. Um, Osable Valley. Um, Lake Placid, Saranac Lake, Seton Catholic, Peru, um, Mariah, Willsboro, Shazy, and Boquette Valley. I may be leaving out one or two. Plattsburgh? Uh, Plattsburgh is actually, uh, we're still waiting to hear. Okay. Um, and what about Beekman Town? And Beekman Town is reassessing, they're, they're waiting mm-hmm. to reassess the situation on October 5th. Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of crazy because regardless, these teams need 10 practices before they can compete in things. Mm. Um, so you're saying if they start on October 5th and they don't, um, obviously they don't practice seven days a week. The earliest they could really get going is somewhere around October sixteenth or seventeenth, which is saying, which is crazy. And you're saying they're they're going to reassess on that date doesn't even necessarily no. mean that they would start on that date. No, okay. yeah, exactly. Um, and the thing is, the schools who have opted out, the New York State Public High School Athletic Association has created a fall season number two that's going to start on March first, and it, it they're, they're, the the state is recommending that the sections have that fall season number two and on May 1st or somewhere around that date. And yes, there's going to be issues with overlap overlap with spring sports and winter sports, even to a certain extent, um, assuming that winter sports can be played. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what it's going to look like a couple months from now. Um, but that that could be interesting as a whole um, because the whole, the whole biggest controversy of the March 1st start day is football because they said football among other schools who opted out of the sports that are about available now can play the sports on March 1st. 
Um, like so, for example, um, Ticonderoga girls soccer. The Ticonderoga chose to opt out. They they will have a chance to play soccer if they want to on March first. Not to say that the school will opt to do that, but they have the option of doing so. Okay. Um, and same thing goes for football of all sports. But you both of you have been here a very long time in the North Country. March first and playing anything outside seems less than likely. Yeah. At least at least in terms of being comfortable while doing so. I mean, we both ran cross country, so we have a lot of experience <laughs> with running in temperatures that we'd rather not run in. Yeah. But yeah, I can see where the the other sports that are used to only a certain time of year would have yeah. a tough time with that. And there's a difference too between um, doing something in November when it's just beginning to get cold, ground might not be as frozen yet, and maybe there's some snow coming down compared to starting something in March when we've gone through a whole winter, ground is frozen as can be, there's snow all over the place, there's probably ice at the bottom because that's usually the way it works up here. Mm-hmm. So the combination of all that seems like a little, maybe a little bit of a recipe for disaster. Maybe they will realize that they like the springtime better for football and maybe yeah. they'll switch it up. Yeah, yes. I, don't, I don't know. I, at the end of the day, the biggest thing, you're right, you know, who knows. But the big, at, the, at the end of the day, they're, they're trying, as much as people want to hate on some of the decision makers, they're trying. They're really trying to create opportunities for kids to play sports. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of challenges. But yeah. at no point can you say that they're not trying. Now, as far as the feasibility of the decisions, that's a whole other situation. But there's good intentions there at the end of the day, albeit it's probably frustrating for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else, Kara, on your list? Well, were we going to talk about updates that people should keep an eye out for in the future? Yeah. Um, yeah. I could do a quick recap, though, of city news from oh, this yes. past Go ahead. week. So um, last week's city council meeting was kind of hefty. They, um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like you've said I'm not like too up to date on it, but I feel like every week when you come back, you're like, oh yeah, this happened this week. Yeah, just a, just a lot of stuff going on all the time in the city of Plattsburgh. But um, last week, the council and a very close vote that the mayor actually had to um, he actually had to vote, which he doesn't do that unless there's a case of a tie or mm-hmm. um, his votes needed to approve a motion, stuff like that. Um, and they actually voted to readjust the 2021 mayor's budget which isn't a finalized budget per se. It's kind of like a budget guideline that city councilors use to formulate the real budget for the following year. Um, and they uh, asked that he readjust his budget to incorporate 10% cuts, mm. um, which would work out to be about $2.4 million um, worth of cuts. So supposedly he's working on doing that. Uh, we just ran a story this week where the candidates for city of Plattsburgh mayor responded to that decision. Um, they're going to be the ones who are, one of them will be working with the 2021 budget next year um, after the fall election. And so they didn't have some nice things to say about that. Um, also last week, actually, let me cut to this week. Um, on Monday, the city ZBA Zoning Board of Appeals met and they decided to postpone their review of the Durkee Street <laughs> redevelopment project. Um, There's currently an investigation going on after the ZBA hired an attorney in the springtime to represent them, and they decided that until that investigation is over and until their attorney can be paid, they do not want to look at the project anymore, which just kind of adds to the controversy that has surrounded that project for many, many years. Um, that you, further pushes off the city planning board from then also being right able to because vote on it. The, the city planning board can't vote on the applications until the, the zoning board of appeals does, and so they've kind of been held up, anyways. 
Um, and now with this decision, with them postponing the review of the project, it is going to further push out that approval. Um, we don't even know when that will actually happen at this point. I would like you to, uh, you mentioned it during one of our news briefings, I would like mm -hmm. you to uh, reiterate the joke that you made about when you first started working here and that whole project development and how it's now years later and you're still basically working on that same thing. Um... <laughs> I think all I think all I said was that uh, when when Joe Latemplio, our our editor in chief, yeah. retired from retired in in quotes by the way from the Press Republican took a break. Yeah, he, he took a slight break when he left. Um, the city of Plattsburgh beat kind of got thrown in my lap at the time. I didn't really know what was going on with anything, and I had a, I had a lot to catch up on. Um, and I remember the first time I went to a meeting that pertained to this downtown revitalization project and you know they presented it and um, looking back to that I didn't realize that that project was going to be something that I was still going to be working on like <laughs> nearly like two years later yeah. so it's, it's kind of insane. No I mean I, I just from my standpoint I mean obviously I'm not too up to date on everything but I kind of rely on like information from you to kind of figure out where things are at but it sounds like a complete mess. It, it can be. I think there's just a lot of different viewpoints um, surrounding the project, and Indeed. those people who have those <laughs> viewpoints are strong. Yeah. Like those views are very strong. They're they're not weak opinions by any means. So when no. you when you two entities at odds over anything, I mean, right. It's just gonna. But hey, it gives you good content for stories when people are arguing about things. I guess. I guess that's that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of arguments, um, the, the city and the town of Plattsburgh are also um, battling over this an annexation of about two hundred and twenty four acres of town land. Okay. Um. So this is something that's been going on. It's come up over years and years and years and years and years before I was here um, for a long time. And it has resurfaced once again um, under, you know, Mayor Colin Reed. He wants to he wants to get this property for future developments to expand the city's tax base. Um, the town of Plattsburgh won't just hand it over. You know, of course, they say it's their land and, you know, they, they want to keep it that way. Um, so the next step in, in the process, which has been a really drawn out process, but the next step was to hold a joint public hearing between both municipalities. Um, the city had made an announcement that they were going to be holding that meeting actually today, which is Thursday, um, the 24th. And, um, the, you know, the town of Plattsburgh says that they weren't informed that this meeting was going to be held. Um, they didn't believe that during the COVID-19 climate they could actually um, garner a lot of public opinions on, mm -hmm. on the matter um, just because of the way things are going with virtual meetings and, and not having too many people in a room at one time. Um, so they actually fought it. It appeared in court, and um, the judge actually decided just this morning to dis to dismiss the town of Plattsburgh's um, opinion on the matter, and so the meeting is actually still going to take place. So hmm. this has been another battle between two entities that has lasted for a really long time as well. Hmm. That's yeah. I feel I feel that I mean it doesn't it doesn't I mean you're talking about that certain scenario, but. There's always a little bit of a battle going on. I feel like yeah. it's. I feel like it's just part of the feel part of the area. It's part of human nature. Yeah, mm -hmm. for I mean, sure. You can't, you can't blame. You can't blame that at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, so all I was gonna say is, you know, we have a story on on that public meeting coming soon, and I think mm -hmm. Kara had a couple other things she's 
Yeah, I've been working on, so um, while Mackenzie has been tuning into the um, Plattsburgh lawn, what, what is it called? The, the uh, it's panel? called the Citizens Review Panel. Citizens Review Panel. So what the county did, because since they oversee the sheriff's office, they also have to undergo the process of reviewing the department's policies and implementing some sort of improvement or review plan by April 1st, or at least submitting that plan to the state, um, basically from my understanding, the state um, could withhold um, state aid if these municipalities, these cities, these counties do not undergo this review. So the approach that the county took, um, it's called the Clinton County Law Enforcement Review Committee and it's chaired by former Judge Patrick McGill who is currently a legislator. He was appointed to the position after Mark Dame um, stepped down, he moved out of the area. And uh, so he's heading, heading this up and the way that they decided to start it off after their organizational meeting is they had uh, Sheriff, Clinton County Sheriff David Favreau who was accompanied by his uh, patrol division major, Nicholas Leon. Uh, they gave a presentation on a few uh, of the bigger policies like they talked a lot about use of force and the community involvement that the Sheriff's Department has. So what I've been working on um, on top of everything else breaking is just kind of like a summary of all of that so that way people can get an idea of what was discussed. Um, and then at some point in the near future, uh, Judge McGill is anticipating hosting another meeting whereby the public will then respond and ask questions and the committee will as well. Hmm. So um, be on the lookout for that. And I think we have some interesting section covers this weekend as well, including one that Mackenzie is. Yeah, I, I, I was, so I used the camera last night Okay. Um, because there was a cool. Did you guys see the moon last night at all? It's a, it was like a really cool. It, it's it's like a cool crescent. It was a crescent, and it's kind of becoming more of like a half moon. Okay. But it was really low, uh-huh. so I went out and took a couple photos last night, and well, at least I tried. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I saw a couple of photos that were still on the camera, so I know what you're probably going to talk about, and I'm glad you're doing a story on that. Yeah. So um, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but there's a new sports bar and grill coming to town, or I yeah. guess to the city. Um, it's called Buster's. They have another location in Ogdensburg, and there's oh, a couple okay. who decided to, um, they moved here about, I think they said about six years ago, so they decided to start up one here. Um, Ashley Bateman, um, she actually waitressed at the one in Ogdensburg when she was growing up. It was like her first job and everything, cool. so Aww. it's cool that they're, that they're starting this up here now. Um, it's at the former... Lake City Brew- Lake Brewing. Lake City Brewing, Enzo's, and Jeffrey's Pub, Jeffrey's and Tijuana Pub. Jail. Yes. Over, so over the past 20 years or so, those are the restaurants that have yeah. been Yeah, but I mean, there. they There's are... been a lot of different restaurants in that yeah. building. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're really, really excited to open this up in Plattsburgh. They have yeah. a menu. It's like a bunch of American, just like pub food, pub-style food, I would say. Yeah. Um, and trying to think, that, you know, even, even with COVID-19 and everything, they talk a lot about how... They have a lot of space in that building. They have a lot of outdoor seating opportunities, and um, they're just kind of, you know, doing the best they can. Did they say when they were going to open? Yeah, so they're officially opening up on Monday. Oh, cool. Um, okay. Yeah, so Monday the 28th. Our story is going to run this weekend, giving a little, giving them a awesome. little bit of a profile. Um, but, yeah, it seems it's pretty exciting. We always like when new restaurants pop up in the city of Plattsburgh. Props to them for opening up a restaurant during a pandemic. Yeah, it, yes. yes. That, that was one of the main things I talked to them about. We thought that was really interesting. So. Yeah, I think that'll be great. And, yeah, I mean, I mean, look at who you're talking to. Anytime there's, like, a really sports pub or something, yeah, why not, Yeah, they have right? 17 cool. TVs, I think they said. That's pretty legit. So, yeah. 
That's pretty legit. It's pretty cool. And speaking of sports, by the way, so both of you guys have been doing, I mean, Kara, you've been doing outstanding on the football picks. I know you have an oh, inside yes. source. But McK- I, I, I do. <laughs> I have but, but my Mc- consultant. You know, yeah. He's wondering about when those picks are yes, going to be coming. But Mackenzie, you've been doing pretty good. You've been doing pretty I good, too. I didn't think I was, so yeah. thank you for saying that. Yeah, are you <laughs> consulting with someone, too, or are you doing it on your own? I no, Mackenzie, do- t- yeah, t- t- tell the people about your, your theory. I, I loved it. I was very, uh, so, I, thought, I thought there was like some intense formula going on. <laughs> So, originally I was going to have a consultant, but I um, just am so busy all the time that I forget to talk about these things after work. So, basically, (laughs) right before Joey asks for my picks, I just go online and I do a quick Google search about who is the expected winner for the game. (laughs) And whoever Google says is who I write down. There we go. There we go. So, we have that theory. And did you guys hear what Ben Rowe's theory is? Isn't it animals? So yeah, he like oh he pretends that. So for example, what was it uh, last week? The the Chiefs and the Chargers. I don't uh-huh. even remember who he picked or what his logic was. It was very disturbing. Um, but he said like, all right, who would win in a fight? And I said uh, between a Chief and a Charger. I don't know. And he's like, well, it's a lightning bolt, right? He's like, oh, and I said, yeah. So uh, he goes, oh, lightning's gonna win. Obviously, I mean, lightning's gonna beat anything. Lightning has to have really good aim to win. I guess, <laughs> I yeah. guess, but and also, aren't they going up against the latest Super Bowl winners? Yes, as well? I yeah. Think that means something. <laughs> but yeah, so that he, he has a very interesting uh, theory. But oh, and it, I also like to look at who won the last time these two teams played against each other and right. who lost, because the person, the team that lost, is gonna be looking for some revenge. Yeah, so. yeah. So that yeah. helps out a little bit. But no, that's been fun, and like I think we've had a lot of fun doing like those little tiny I, I love incorporating like you guys on the new side into sports i think it's i think it's a bunch of fun yeah i wish you would have asked me for a better photo personally but that's what's well, your that's twitter fun. photo that's what you have <laughs> that's what you have on twitter yeah it's like the side of my face though. <laughs> i can update it you can it's give fine. me you can give me a better one i'm just teasing okay okay well that works but no so are we is this is that everything that we guys pretty much had was there anything else you wanted to touch upon if there is that, go ahead no i think that's everything i okay. had for this week yeah i think I, unless we did was robin going to be in earlier or later no no okay. not no i don't she's I don't working so. on our spectrum cover which um it's a mural of the astronaut michael anderson who oh cool um i don't know a ton about him but i've heard that he is a he's native to the area yeah. and he actually tragically passed away during a launch um back in the early 2000s so they're doing this mural to honor him similar to how they did a mural to gene arthur mm-hmm. so um there's work is starting on that so we're going to have um robin's going to be doing an article with more information on that that people can look at that's re- that's really cool yeah, yeah. i recognize that name and i didn't put the two pieces together so that would be cool to see a story about that yeah um but yeah so i mean for the first uh, for the first go around i think it went pretty well I will, I will tell the people that Mackenzie and Kara were both a little, like, nervous at first, but I think they got into it pretty well. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just our, it's our personalities, yeah. you know? We write because we, we don't necessarily see ourselves as good speakers. <laughs> I don't see myself as one, so... Right. No, but it so, yeah. but it worked out pretty well. So this will this will be something that we continue doing, right? I think I think I think yeah. you guys will come yeah, back I again. I think we can. Okay, okay. I think mm-hmm. we can do it. I think we can do it. But so we will uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back. I think we have Benro and Jolo coming in, and I don't know what they want to talk about, but <laughs> no, I, I guess we'll be talking about. Did you hear what Joe opened the podcast with last week? I just I just said you know hey how you guys doing? And the first thing he t- I thought he was going to I asked him I said so what's going on this week? 
and I thought he was going to like talk about some news thing. And the first thing he talks about is like, I got a new pair of shoes. <laughs> And 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 then he's starting to talk about his shoes, and I gave a description of his shoes for all the listeners. It was, I mean, it's must listen. It's yeah. must listen stuff. I mean, yesterday he told us he that we did not inform him that he needed a haircut because apparently that is our job is to let Joe know when he, he needed needs a, a haircut. haircut. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, for Joe, it's just like a buzz cut every couple of months. Yeah, I thought yeah. he. I thought you know it's he had his eye of, on that. I didn't the same realize type of he needed consultants to let him know, but apparently he does. Interesting, interesting. Well, we will uh, take a little break and we'll be back shortly. And we're back. We got Joe Lowe here. We got Ben Rowe. I think we'll do the titles right. We, <laughs> we got editor-in-chief Joe LaTemplio and night editor Ben Rowe here, and you got sports editor Joey LaFranco back again. I did it for the, I did it for Mackenzie and Kara. I, I just said staff writer. It works a little bit better. Yes. And we did decide for them, we did, it's quick hits with Mackenzie and Kara, rather than Kara and Mackenzie. Mackenzie and Kara, they both mm-hmm. agreed, has a little bit better of a ring to it. So that's kind of what we went with. Brand- um, good to me. Yeah, sounds good. But... So really, we're just having a little bit of a nice little roundtable. I know Ben Rowe has some looking looking back stuff that he wants to get into, and Joe, you have a couple stories, but who wants to go first? Well, I, Joe has something on his mind. Okay. Well, okay. Let me, and I just want to take a minute to talk about this because any day now we're probably going to hear it. Cue and, the rant. And we're going to hear it for the next um, oh, almost, couple months. Almost, <laughs> almost six weeks till November 3rd, Election Day. Every year, this time of year, and you all probably see them when you drive down the road, you see candidates' campaign signs. They're all over the place. Uh, candidates get their names out there, um, put them all over the city, town, county, public places, uh, so people can see their signs and get some name recognition for these candidates. That's great. That's wonderful. We support that. That That's uh, freedom of the speech and it's their right Mm -hmm. but inevitably every year we hear complaints about someone stole my campaign signs my opponent stole my campaign signs or they defaced them i saw them we have video and it happens all the time and they want us or any media to do a big story on how their campaign signs were stolen well that's probably not going to happen because it happens all the time and unless, and both sides are guilty of it. Both sides accuse each other of so, uh, supporters taking their signs. Um, whether it's true or not, I don't know. If it is, it's wrong. It's bad. Don't do it. Leave the campaign signs alone. Um, but unless somebody gets arrested or there's a really unusual story with uh, involving missing campaign signs, we're probably not going to devote any uh, staff hours to look into that. Also, spoiler alert, stealing a handful of campaign signs is probably not going to swing the election (laughs) that much in one way or the other. So it's like, No, (laughs) it's not. I mean, I think in all the years I've been here, I think we've done, I can remember only two times we did stories. One was a guy actually did get arrested (laughs) for stealing signs on, I think it was Cumberland Head. And another time there was one sign in the northern part of the county was defaced. And the words were spelled so horribly badly (laughs) that it led to an issue. And and we did a little something on that. Nothing major. But um, 
candidates, I feel for you if your signs are being stolen. Yeah. Um, someone told me they only cost 50 cents each or something like that. But it's an investment. I get yeah. it. Anyway. And it's a sim- so the symbolism of it. It's like, again, it's, it's rude. It's, it's not professional. Yeah, so. So, so don't do it. But uh, please, also, don't expect us to do major stories on stolen campaign signs. Speaking of campaign signs, it's funny you mention this because just, I mean, they're going up, they're going up all over the place now if they hadn't already been up. I saw yesterday... I was hopping on the interstate going southbound, uh, so it would be the exit 37 uh, on-ramp. And in between where you would continue going straight if you wanted to go northbound, so you would loop around, or if you would bear right and you know hop on the interstate going south, there was a, a, an election sign placed right in between the guardrail. And I said to myself... Great placement because that's a lot of traffic that's going through there. But who went there? How did they get there? There is no, in that area, it's a bridge. I mean, I was trying to map out how they would actually get there. I don't know if they actually parked their car. That doesn't seem safe whatsoever. Um, Or if somebody somehow walked down that pathway and put the sign there. But I was just thinking, have you ever thought about that sometimes? Wow, how did they get that sign there? Who actually went into that position to put a sign there? And that's what I thought of the other day. It was pretty wild. Where it, and maybe if you go southbound uh, and hop on near X thirty seven, you'll see it. It is. Uh, it's pretty impressive. It, it's a. It's a risky. It's risky business. Whoever ended up putting that sign there. So PSA number two, folks: Be safe for putting up your campaign signs. <laughs> yes. Don't. Risk your neck going in the middle of the highway. I mean, ultimately, I mean, great location. Couldn't <laughs> couldn't be better. Well, it, but in terms of safety, not so much. Yes, and, and that actually is one of the legitimate um, concerns about campaign signs. Is some, but you know, some people like to take them down because they feel they're distracting to motorists. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and it could ca- cause an issue. Um, but. You know, a lot of times they'll they'll be taking signs down and using that as an excuse when they really have ulterior motives. Right. But you know, when you're driving around, it's nice to look at them. But you know, please be careful. Uh, quick funny story about campaign signs. Sure. About 20 years ago, there was a guy running for the town of Plattsburgh um, town board. His name was Andrew Wintercorn, and he had all these signs that said Wintercorn. And we had <laughs> uh-huh. a new reporter. A new reporter from out of the area was came here and got hired to work, and it was you know it's the fall, it's harvest time, and she saw all these signs and she's like, oh, I want to try some of that winter corn. <laughs> Is that <Yes>. like squash? <laughs> we're like, no, it's a, actually a candidate. <laughs> that that is that is really funny. I actually have something funny that I wanted to share too. Now I want to preface this before I go any further. The NBA players they've had uh, different. Uh, names on the back of their jerseys for various for various yes. um you know uh, I'm losing the word support justice. yeah support justice thank you um and a lot of different things like that they've also been advocating for people to go out and vote um that's all good I just wanted to make a little I saw it on Twitter the other day and it was pretty funny and I'm sure even people who are really trying to create a, a narrative to you careful know, now a lot I know I know. <laughs> There was a guy, his, his name's Paul Millsap. He played on yes. the Utah Jazz. He's number four. Keep that in mind. So you have the various message that they have at the top, the number, and then the name. And it said vote, and then for Millsap. 
and everybody yeah. and people somebody took a screenshot of it and they said can we just not have politics and basketball for a second <laughs> i mean can can the players not can the players not have to try and have people vote for themselves here and i just laughed well, at that's that that's funny and that's that's funny <laughs> and i i, I yeah. genuinely laughed at that that guy must be like oh <laughs> they probably I thought had after, to say this yeah they probably thought after the fact oh geez um but no i thought that was i had to i laughed so hard when i saw that i was like you know what in a time where there's so much seriousness and granted for for good reason that was funny <laughs> just that the one guy's number yes perfectly yep and yeah. it, it 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 was uh i i laughed pretty hard at that but yeah so that was my uh that's my little story that i wanted to share and then surprisingly <laughs> our last campaign signed psa which i didn't realize there was so much discussion around it sure and i'm sure joe can probably vouch for this one too is that when the ballots have been cast when election day has come and gone when the first snow starts to fall we often get letters and emails, et cetera, that talk about the fact that a lot of people don't go and pick up the campaign signs that have been put down after the fact. And so you end up with just these campaign signs like tumbleweeds just on the side of the road when the election is long gone. <laughs> right. And so, you know, if you go through the effort to put them out, then, you know, just trying, it's kind of unsightly. It's It could be a road hazard. It can be any number of things. So just go and try and pick up some that are around your area and don't just leave them there to get stuck under the snow and come back up next spring as flowers or whatever. But Yeah, I think a lot of the candidates are pretty good about that, but there are some that just, are, just don't do it. And that's, you're right. They should just pick up your signs, folks. I'll be really curious to see who picks up that sign that's near the, the on-ramp. <laughs> I'm going to have to go check that out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's right by the, because Mackenzie just did a story on the, it's the, that new ho- the hotel that kind of got revamped recently, mm-hmm. uh, Holiday Inn. It's Holiday Inn Express. Holiday Inn Express. So it's yeah. that it's that on ramp right there. Yeah. And as you would go southbound, that's where it is. Um, it it looks. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's very impressive. It's very impressive. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, so Ben, you had some looking back stuff that you wanted to get to. Yes. Now I I have to say the last time we did looking back stuff, we had the the chesty young man being driven over by a car. Um, that was Tiny Tim too. Ti- we had Tiny, Tiny Tim. Tim. I'm trying to think of other things that we, we had. had cigarette that. machines. Oh, the cigarette machines. We had a lot of stuff. So we did. The bar is pretty high. It is. As you, uh, as we go into this week, so I'm hoping well, let's that. See. Well, why don't we start in the past? That's last time we started recently, and then moved our way back. Why don't we start in the back of the move away to hundred years bars? ago? Okay, and be- years before ago. before you do that. Just for, I'm sure some people are new to this. Explain what this part of the newspaper is. So look back, which the look back segment of the podcast. I want to start to set a. Now that we're going to segments, mm-hmm. set a regular schedule. So like the second week of every month, we do look back or something like that. But for now, I've just really had an itch to do it. Sure. But look back every Tuesday on page A3. We feature old news from 25, 50, 75, and 100 years ago where I go back, read old newspapers, and copy the um, text of the stories from way back then. And so you get tales of the real, literal news from 1920, 1945, etc. Unedited. Unedited, as it is written, even with some of the, um, yes, less than familiar, chesty young man terminology. (laughs) So, for example, in 1920, here in the city of Plattsburgh, People in the vicinity of the Custom House at about 12 o'clock last night were startled by a couple of revolver shots coming from the vicinity of Candyland at the corner of Brinkerhoff and Marion Streets. 
Upon running to the corner, they found Peter Lacatsos, brother of the proprietor of the candy store, with a smoking revolver in his hand. Lacatsos <laughs> said that two men had entered the front door of the store and made away with some boxes of candy, and he had fired in the air to frighten them. <laughs> two young fellows were later found by patrolman Elmer Gray and marched back to Candyland, where Mr. Lacatsos identified them. The boxes of candy were found in the alley by Sergeant Marsh. Is that not the most 1920s, like, crime? Hey, you kids, bang! <laughs> <laughs> don't mess with the candy. Don't mess, don't mess with those chocolates. <laughs> I, and personally, I like the idea that on Brinkerhoff Street, there used to just be a candy store. Like, bring back the Brinkerhoff I, candy store. So, I want to know this. It sounds like this was a candy store. But why does a candy owner have a gun? What else was perhaps going on at that candy store? If there's a candy store, you might, that might be a nice little front going on. So the maybe, candy man, the can, you know, go to the candy man. You get your, you get your chocolates and what else, whatever else you may want at that point. Because we're talking, that's you know, we're we're talking a little bit after you know. Actually, wait, yeah, I'm going to sound stupid here. But when when was prohibition? 1919. Prohibition is still okay. going on in this story. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. so there we go. See, I might have just uncovered hey, something. That's true. Um, yes, it just doesn't seem were, just doesn't seem right that a candy store owner has a revolver. <laughs> yes, people were going after all the vices back then: drugs, alcohol, candy. Yeah, and I love the fact that they add in the detail. Kudos to the reporter for checking. Oh yeah, the candy. Candy is safe. They found the candy. <laughs> <laughs> so then, also in 1920, true to its principles of keeping step with the times in the progress of modern science. The Physician's Hospital of the city of Plattsburgh, CVPH nowadays, has secured a quantity of radium as part of the Mm. hospital equipment and will use this remarkable substance in the work of the hospital in the treatment of cases of cancerous and tumorous growths. Radium is not only the most valuable substance in the world, but it's the scarcest. The state of New York has such faith in the powers of radium over cancer that it's recently expended 255,000 for a small quantity of the substance and placed it in the State Institute for the Study of Malignant Diseases of Buffalo. Under the present circumstances, the people of Plattsburgh and the vicinity may have the benefit of the treatment at their own door. And I just like the fact that, like, there was so little radium back then in picturing, like, the kryptonite, like, substance that, you know, we got radium here in CBPH. <laughs> and nowadays, like, you know, we talk about all the modern things. I just like that they treat it like this... Supernatural substance, this remarkable substance. So I thought, and actually, they talked about the fact that, like, yeah, there's so little of it that you can only get in there every once in a while. To it's not like nowadays where next way, oh yeah, come right in, boop, there we go. (laughs) Back then, it was it was crazy. That's interesting. So then we jump ahead to slightly more modern 1970, and Joe can probably chime in on this one. Mayor Francis D. Steltzer. That's how you pronounce that, correct? Steltzer. Steltzer said that he expects to have a cost date ready next week for Common Council discussion of a Ward 1 footbridge across the (laughs) Saranac River. (laughs) The footbridge. (laughs) That was his reply to a question from Ward 1 Alderman Robert Burke at a council meeting. Burke asked for the footbridge study last spring. He told a reporter after Thursday's meeting that he is as interested as ever in getting a bridge across the river to shorten distances for children who walk to Plattsburgh High School from the area east of the river. Burke said a logical site for a bridge would be in the vicinity of Elizabeth Street. 
So, 50 years ago, the, the story, the idea was planted. What if there was a bridge? And 50 years from then, people are like, dang, we really like this bridge. <laughs> it, it's, yes, it's the saga continues. Uh, the bridge over the river that we're talking about now that connects the south end to the west end, is, I think it was installed in 81. Um, so about a decade after that. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, the, the slow wheels of progress. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and as we know, it was recently renovated or after much controversy, but it is now open and functioning again. So A lot of stories about a bridge. Yes. <laughs> so, to Alderman Burke's credit, he was right. Footbridge, people dig it. So, good job, Alderman Burke. <laughs> and then, speaking of removing stuff... The decision to remove this up, oh, we're jumping ahead a little bit, 1995. The it was a good year. Good year, yes. It was Joey's birth year, <laughs> to put this in context. <laughs> the decision to remove the guard at Plattsburgh Air Force Barracks Base is a sign of the times. Oh, wow. Well. Wednesday, August 16th, marked the last time a guard will be posted at the old base gate during daylight hours. A sign posted at the front gate cautions civilians of the base's continued status as an active military base. Yo, this is still a military base. <laughs> the caution is written in both French and English. We're stressing an owner-user system, Captain Lisa Sweeney said. So essentially saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, that there are so many people on the base that people can keep an eye out for any suspicious characters. Right. So I think I've seen photos of the little guard station... I think it's, wasn't it, well, Joe, where, whereabouts was that? You know where the roundabout is? That's what I thought, as right around the roundabout. As soon as you enter the old base um, on that road there, that's where the, the guard barracks was. And there was another one on the new base side, um, down by where the credit union is. Ooh. And I remember um, the Plattsburgh Air Force Base Credit Union, which was the precursor to the... Is it First Federal? Credit yes, I, I believe so. Credit unions there. Um, employees at the Press Republican were members. And the credit union office was on the old base. So in order to get to the credit union as a civilian, we had to go to the new base guard Oh, interesting. And get a pass. And you had to, it was a pain. Just to go to the bank. Yeah, it was a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. Because you had to walk in, sometimes wait in line, present ID, answer a bunch of questions. <laughs> and they'd give you these passes that you put on your car. And you go to the barracks gate, they'd ask you questions. And then you'd go to the credit union and do your banking. Did they ever ask you when you had to check in, did, did they ever suspect you were up to any suspicious activity? Uh, Never had any issues. <laughs> <laughs> Although, there, I remember one story where um, there was a, a, a female uh, uh, Air Force um, member working okay. the gate. And she was attacked. Oh, wow. Some crazy guy, just for some reason, decided to attack the guard uh, station. Yeah. And it was like Sunday morning at like five or six in the morning. Oh, jeez. And it was nothing good happens. Yeah, there. <laughs> it, was, it was weird. He like ran the gate and, and attacked her for it was just bizarre. Yeah, that's, um, that's weird. But yeah, I, I remember that gate. It could be a, a hassle, but obviously you gotta have security. Well, that's um writing this up and reading the story it made me think is that so as somebody who you know was five years old when this happened <laughs> has no memory of it. It was a 
a legitimate process to have to get into the Air Force Base. Like you had to present your reasoning and go through security, et cetera, right? Yes. Is that, that that thought never crossed my mind. Is that no, that it's it's like going through the border. Like you actually had to have a reason. Pretty much. Pretty much. It was very similar. Um, you know, the base was um, the people on the base were a big part of the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can go off the base, no problem. Uh, but really, they were unto themselves. It was their own community. Um, that's why it was kind of a really big deal and really interesting when the base closed and the walls came down. <laughs> Everybody got to finally see what it's was like, there. It's like the Ter- Berlin Wall. <laughs> Explore. <laughs> did you ever get to go, um, did you, when, like, when the base was still operating, did you ever go to the, the barracks? And golf there? Did you ever get like invite? Because I know like back in the day it was a cool thing to get like invited to go golfing there. Um, I can't remember if I if I had or not. Yeah. Um, we used to we had we were invited to some functions at the officers club. Okay. Yeah, yes, which I've was nice, that. very nice. <laughs> fancy, fancy. <laughs> um, but speaking of the old base and being on there, uh, if can I tell one more yeah. pertinent story? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, as you know, Ben, Robin Caudell is working on a story for the Spectrum uh, section cover this weekend about the new mural that's going in downtown Plattsburgh. Karen uh, McKenzie actually mentioned that, so this is great that you're expanding yes. upon it. On um, uh, Durkee Street uh, on the side of the West Elkhorn building. It's a mural depicting and honoring uh, Michael Anderson, a astronaut who was killed in the space shuttle crash and i think it was 2003 uh-huh. um he was a he's a native um eventually was from here you know went away and then eventually made his way back at plattsburgh air force base as an officer and a pilot got accepted into the nasa program which is a big deal mm-hmm. and when that happened the base public affairs called us and said oh come out and do a story about this guy he's going to be an astronaut so i went out and I met Michael Anderson in the old simulator building on the new base. And we talked. Really nice guy. And he put me in the simulator fly, <laughs> flying a KC-135. I crashed it like three or four times <laughs> trying to land. He was laughing at me. And um, <laughs> I, could, I wish I could see video of that. <laughs> finally, finally got it to touch down. Um, but after we talked and we were all done, and I was ready to go. He, like I said, he was a really nice, uh, humble, respectful, uh, pleasant guy. And I don't, I don't know why to this day why I did this. I've been a reporter, a professional journalist for almost forty years, and I never once. And I, I've interviewed, you know, fairly famous people, mm-hmm. uh, politicians, entertainers, what have you, athletes. Never once asked anybody for an autograph. Mm-hmm. You just don't do it. It's right. not professional. No. I don't know why, but for some reason I said, hey, Mike, can I get your autograph? He's like, what do you want my autograph for? I said, you're going to be an astronaut. Maybe you'll land on Mars or something. Right, yeah. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And he signed his name for it. Did he feel uncomfortable? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. And so he signed his name for me. And I kept it all these years. And when when the shuttle crashed, uh, I felt horrible. Yeah, I thought, oh my goodness, what a you know what a tragic loss. What a yeah. great guy. So I I I kept his autograph. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have it. And now that they're doing this mural, I'd like to offer it um, to them. Um, That'd be cool. You know, a lot of people say, oh, the only reason why you ask for an autograph is so you can sell it and make money. I said, no, yeah. no that's never my intent. Right. I kept it all these years. Didn't, you know, no, I, no, 
um, delusions of trying to do anything like that. But I would like to offer it to them. Uh, maybe they yeah. can stick it on the mural somewhere. And of all the varied reasons to ask for an autograph from someone, you know, singer, or actor, or whatever, you know, I appreciate that you thought enough of what he was doing, trying to go into space, to yeah. um, ask him to, you know, hey, this gets you autograph status. <laughs> I, yeah. I think what's cool, too, is because at the time, he wasn't necessarily, like, you know, famous, famous. Right. But it was kind of like you anticipating something. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a sign of respect toward him, and that's just a kind of a cool thing that you, that you but, did. Yeah, that. he wasn't a household name at that point. No, so it's and hard. I think that's that's what's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. No, but I just felt terrible when uh, yeah, the shuttle crashed. And I remember after that happened, um, Dan Stewart was the mayor of the city, and he had a ceremony in City Hall, the, the rotunda upstairs, um, honoring Michael Anderson because he was from here and he, there were some family members. Sure. He, Governor Pataki came up. And CNN, Fox, they were all here to cover it. Oh, wow. It was a big deal. Um, so no, I remember seeing that in the news. As, um, yeah, the, the, um, I believe it was the Space Shuttle Columbia. Might have been, yeah. Uh, let me double check. I actually just had the, um, just to give people context, it was, yes, yep, Space Shuttle Columbia. Yeah, is that, yes. Um, and, you know, is that another reason to get somebody's autograph for that? We take astronauts for granted. They're putting their lives on the line to do what they're doing. Absolutely. I mean, when I was a kid, I was mesmerized with astronauts. Mm -hmm. The Apollo 8 tragedy, I remember that happening. Um, So I think doing a mural of Mike Anderson in downtown will be awesome. Yeah, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, Speaking of autographs, so I have, you've been at it a lot longer than I have, Joe, but I have also only once asked for an autograph, and I didn't really ask for it, I was kind of asked if I wanted one, and then I said yes, and it was when I interviewed Babe Ruth's granddaughter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was, to tell that story briefly, it was two years ago, no, three years ago, I believe it was 2017, and it was the Plattsburgh, they were still called the Redbirds at the time, it was that independent baseball league, um, that team was playing at Chip Cummings Field, and I have no idea how the connection was made whatsoever. But somehow, Babe Ruth's granddaughter, Linda Ruth Tazzetti, made her way up to Plattsburgh to be a guest for their All-Star Game and Home Run Derby. And there was a little tent set up, and she was, you know, signing autographs, talking to fans and things of that nature. And she had a, uh, like, a legitimate Babe Ruth baseball bat model. Um, And... So leading up to those days, we knew she was coming up, and I said, oh, I definitely want to go and, you know, see if I can talk to her. Little did I know that when I showed up, I I got there at, like, I think the game was at 12, so I got there around 11 because I thought, okay, you know, I'll cover the, I'll cover the game at 12, and I'll talk to her before maybe a little bit. Maybe she can set aside five minutes for me to chat. And I go up to her and I say who I am and she's like, oh, have, have a seat, have a seat. And we start talking and I'm just talking to her about a bunch of different things. And then she goes, do, do you mind if I like interact with people as we're talking and we can just keep talking, but you know, it might be a little abrupt. And she goes, and I said, yeah, of course. And I'm just, meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, lady, you can do whatever you want. I'm just going to talk to you <laughs> as long as I can. So... Um, she continues chatting and, and then she goes, so do you want to do like a full on interview? I can set aside some time. And her husband was there. Her husband's basically like almost like her bodyguard to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And she says to her husband, I can't remember what her husband's name was, but she says to her husband, give me uh, give me 15, 20 minutes so I could talk to Joey here. So people were literally lining up 
and waiting to like talk to talk to Linda. Meanwhile, Linda is literally setting aside like 20 or 30 minutes just to chat with me. And it turned into a great story that actually ended up winning an award. And um, the best the best part of that story that she ever told me was she said that because we all like we know the story about how Babe Ruth was an orphan Mm -hmm. and he always had a soft spot for children and people who kids who were growing up in orphanages and whatnot. And she told me a story about how every Christmas Babe Ruth would go buy a big, uh, big car, like a Volkswagen or something like that. I think that's what, it, whatever, whatever had a lot of space in the back, whatever type of vehicle it was at that it time. It wasn't a Volkswagen. It wasn't a Volkswagen. <laughs> uh, not a Volkswagen. <laughs> what, what was the big, uh, Oldsmobile? Thank you. Thank you. I believe that's what it was. Yeah, not a Volkswagen. <laughs> um, but she, she said that he bought that type of vehicle. Then he went to a toy store. He filled the back up with a bunch of toys. He drove to the orphanage, met the nuns at the orphanage, handed the keys to the nuns and the toys to the kids, and he left. And he did that every Christmas. Amazing. How cool is that? Amazing. Just give a car away, give toys away. I mean... How, and how can you beat that? That's and that was why he's a legend. And that was part of the that was part of the story. And then I also did get to hold the bat that his model was. No wonder he had sports hernias. <laughs> swinging, swinging, it's like swinging a tree. It's like forty eight ounces. Yes, it was really, really heavy. Uh, but that was really cool. And I do have a picture of I do have a picture of us together. And she said, "Do you want an autograph?" Because she was handing out autographs to everybody left and right. And I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Do you want another autograph for anybody else you know?" And I was like. Yeah, <laughs> so so I got so I got two and I gave it to somebody else and then um and that was that was one of my that's my autograph story but that was I, I'll tell you over my time doing this so far that's up there that's one of my top oh, yeah. that's one of my top experiences for and sure. I would add on to that story that I believe you <clears throat> you snapped a photo of her for the story not just the one of you guys but her yeah. at her seat yep and just looking at her. You know, you can often tell somebody just the vibe from them. Just looking at her, she looks like the kind of very approachable person. She looks like the kind of person that you described that just yeah. kind of sits down and gives you time. Yeah, I she could, and like I couldn't. Really I'll nice never, for, I'll never forget. She goes, "Give me 10, 15, 20 minutes. I got, I got to talk to Joey here." And I'm like, "All right, cool." So I thought that was great, but no, that's my little story. So well, we got, if we're going to wrap it up, yeah, with autograph do, stories. Do, I want your guys' autographs. <laughs> you want our, uh, ours are ours are worth nothing. <laughs> Hey, you never know. Yeah. I'm, I'm a check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you? Is it a blank check, or do we get to fill out the amount? <laughs> Joe just puts a piece of paper over the rest of the check as he signed the bottom. There we go. There but we go. my autograph story, real quick, is the fact that. Well, I bet you got some good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple, but um, I do. Um, well. Two things. One, I had a chance to go and see Kevin Smith, director of Clerks over in Vermont, do a stand-up comedy show. I didn't get an autograph from him. He didn't do an autograph signing. But he handed out in the lobby, the staffers were handing out plastic baggies. And in the baggies were pieces of toast with Kevin Smith's face branded into them. Because (laughs) there's, I guess, a toaster you can buy where you pop the toast and the bread down. And then Kevin Smith's face is on your toast so I still have that piece of toast you still have the piece of toast <laughs> yeah, oh my god that's amazing that's amazing but my autograph story <laughs> yes I think well, hold on one second I think we should get a toaster that has Joe's face on it we yes. all have toast with Joe's face I, that's one of my favorite souvenirs though is the Kevin Smith toast so go ahead Ben that was funny though but about three years ago now 
Ira Glass of This American Life fame, which um, is Joey familiar with NPR? No. It's, um, I, I don't know. And okay. is that essentially it's um, a slice of life journalism show. A podcast. Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. And where they talk about, um, well, This American Life, they talk about different aspects of American culture, American history, etc., which, as I've told Joe before, was one of my main inspirations for getting into journalism was that back in high school, I found This American Life and just got addicted to it and then wanted to, to kind of tell stories in that vein. And so imagine my surprise when the Strand Center um, br- brought the press public attention, hey, Ira Glass is coming to town. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's like, you know, my inspiration, my spark of, you know, my career and that sure. kind of thing. So it ended up that I believe Robin ended up, as Robin is the person who does our personality cover, so I ended up interviewing him for the paper. But I decided that I, in the spirit of, well, again, the relationship between going to something as a journalist and going to something as a fan, as you both know, is it's a different vibe. Yes. And so to be able to go, I just wanted to go as a fan and just vibe and hang out. But I did also buy the, and I want to support, Excuse me, and I wanted to support him. I also bought the um, backstage pass. <laughs> and so there was a little reception over at the Strand where people went. There was wine, there was crackers. It was kind of neat. And then we all waited around for him in the back. And then when he came in, my first thing that struck me when he walked in and everyone's like, oh, yeah, applause. And, you know, and here he is. The first thing I looked over, I'm like, oh, geez, he's huge. <laughs> and, and I hadn't realized, as anyone can tell you, that when you see someone on the radio, you have no idea, kind of, you have a general idea of yeah. some of what they look like. Sure. You can't tell how tall they are. No. I just Googled it, actually. He's six foot two. So, yes, he was, you know, I'm about five foot eight. So, yeah, I was looking up at him. <laughs> and so I'm like, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> but then I waited around. He's waded through the crowd of people, signing autographs, talking to people, that kind of thing. And then eventually he came up. Um, I had a poster from the event, gave him that. Um, he signed that. I also took out my press pass, which I had at the time, and said, would you mind signing this? And he signed that. So that's cool. I have that in Sharpie. And then is that he said, you know, so you're a journalist. And I said, yeah, is that I want to, you know, I'd love to do a podcast someday, you know, that kind of thing. He's <laughs> like, oh, well, that's cool. And I said, you know, but, you know, my voice isn't the best necessarily. You know, I don't like the sound of my own voice. And he said, no, I think you have a great voice for, you know, the radio podcast, that kind of thing. So... That kind of dovetails to, yes, about the fact that, well, Ira, there you go, <laughs> finally on a podcast. But that meant a lot. It's, again, that's like my <clears throat> my Walt Disney, you know, my original inspiration. So, yeah. If, he has, if, he has, if, if there's a Twitter attached to him, we'll have to tag him in this and be like, listen to it at this moment. Like yeah. Something yeah. like that. I'd be down I think, for that. I think, <laughs> that would, I think that would be pretty Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Was a fun little story time. I think that was. I think that was great. So I. I mean, this is what, like we said, we're this is kind of the way we're gonna do it moving forward. Kara and Mackenzie. I mean, you know, hot, quick, quick, whatever it was, quick hits with Mackenzie and Kara. That's kind of what it's gonna be at the beginning, and then uh, Ben and Joe are gonna come in here, and we're gonna have other people joining in at different times and whatnot. Um, next week, uh, we're gonna do the same thing with Mackenzie and Kara, and then. Ben and I have something planned um, that's going to be pretty funny that you will enjoy. We are going to rate all of these schools, local schools, oh, yeah, you were mentioning sports that. logos. 
So we're, we're going to have you evaluate our ratings. We're going to list them off, and then you're going to see who's is it. You're going to we're going to see what you agree with more for our two determinations. We got to come up with a name for the segment of non-sports fan Ben does sports games. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll have to think about that. That actually could be pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so that's something to look forward to next week. And like we always say, we never know what each week's going to entail. So we'll be moving forward with a little bit of fun. But I think I think this was a good little episode. Um, absolutely. And, you know, as we get closer and closer to the, the big election day, <laughs> we probably will have some more political news. What big election day? There's about. a big election day coming yeah, up? Yeah, it's coming around. No, I didn't, I didn't know about that. So we'll I didn't touch, know about that. We'll touch on things yeah, for as sure. they become pertinent. For, for sure. And I think when that when that happens, we'll, we'll probably have a lot. Of, like, I think it would be kind of cool to have a lot of people in on the discussion because mm-hmm. I feel everybody in our newsroom, for the most part, uh, probably me at the least, is, is involved in the political side of and things. And who knows? But, we might have a guest or two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would actually be kind of cool. I think that would be great. And I think President Trump. Well, that's the best podcast. <laughs> that can you imagine? <laughs> that would uh, that would be something. Yeah, I mean, we could shoot we could shoot pretty high for that. Um, I think that would I think that would get us a lot more subscribers. That would be for sure. But in mention of that, uh, when you're listening to this podcast, you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud, and you can also find us on PressRepublican.com. You know, rate, review, subscribe. And uh, we also are on Twitter. Uh, we are pre- at, pre- at Press Pass Podcast on Twitter. And pretty much, if you want to reach out to any of us, too, you know, at Joey DeFranca, at, what is it? Uh, ben Row Photo, at Jay LaTemplio. You can find all the people from the Press Republican on Twitter as well. And, you know, we're, we're looking at our Twitter pretty frequently. So we communicate with people. We're always looking to communicate with people. I mean, that's kind of what we do, right? So that'll be good. But, Joe, do you want to send us off? Yep, another great show. Thank you guys, and wishing everybody in their lives a little weak side help.